This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Sure Payroll. If you're a small business owner, you know payroll and payroll taxes can be a headache. Well, Sure Payroll has changed that by simplifying payroll services with just three easy steps entirely online. To learn more, visit surepayroll.com/fool and get a free quote. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Shen, and it is Friday, December 2nd. With me in studio today is Fool.com contributor Dan Klein. Uh, we're taking advantage of your visit, Dan, <laughs> to Fool headquarters this week. So we're pre-recording this episode, which you will hear on Tuesday, December 13th. So Dan, always great to have you on the show. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, you treated me to lunch today, which is, if anyone thinks we're a little less energetic than usual, it... Uh, <laughs> We had a very heavy meal of banchan wings, which uh, as far, my first time I had them was in New York, but they have since made their way, have several locations around uh, Alexandria, Virginia here, also in D.C., great wings. I will, I will say, if you do, we're not getting paid for this, and they didn't send us free wings. <laughs> if you don't have one where you live, get on a plane today. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, our main topic for the show today is the new over-the-top streaming service, from AT&T called DirecTV Now. Uh, that launched at the end of November. And uh, we're going to break down the offering itself, but then we're going to take a broader look, I think, at some of the competing services and just the f- likelihood that they end up driving any kind of meaningful top and bottom line gains at their respective parent companies. But before we do that, I want to touch on another related story, and that is the announcement from Netflix and their decision to finally allow offline viewing uh, to their subscribers. So the company broke this news on the same day as the DirecTV, DirecTV Now launch, probably stealing a little bit of their thunder. <laughs> but if you are a Netflix user or follow the company in general, you know that management, uh, or you probably know that management has been fighting this move for a long time. Uh, Amazon first uh, upped the ante, I think it was in September 2015, they introduced the offline viewing to Prime Video users. Uh, and uh, I think Sean and I actually talked about that on the show last year around that time. So at the time, Chief Product Officer at Netflix, Neil Hunt, he kind of uh, tried to ward off critics by arguing that adding options and complexity <laughs> to the service would result in confusion or inaction from users. So instead of just letting viewers download the content while they were traveling or somewhere without a good internet connection, the company tried to find other alternatives, uh, like special servers that they could put on a an airplane or a train, for example, that would carry the entire Netflix library. Or they tried to figure out better video technology that would reduce the file size uh, and the data needs of videos. But basically, you know, lo and behold, the simplest option prevails, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a tad inefficient. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't think we need to bring all of Netflix with us every time we fly. That seems a little, a little bit, you know, reaching. And the reality is, his point about complexity is correct. Good luck on Amazon figuring out how to download things. It's not super simple. The Amazon interface is light years behind the Netflix interface. Um, and that's true whether you're renting something on Amazon or you're actually watching it through Prime, figuring out how it is, where it goes. I will absolutely agree with you. Recently, I tried to watch something on my mobile phone for the first time uh, through the Amazon Prime Video Library. And it required two additional app downloads, and it was very, um, <laughs> it was very surprising for a company that, in the past, has generally been so good at making uh, shopping or using their services as easy as possible. I think the Amazon uh, video experience is generally lousy, and I'm a subscriber. I'm a Prime member. I, I, I'm a Netflix member, and I think what Netflix has done is removed the last barrier to any person who had resistance to a 9.99 price tag. Because 
the people who don't get Netflix are the people who are still spending money renting movies or going to Redbox <laughs> or or I look I I'm a parent and before I would take my son my 12 year old son on a plane ride I would pay for a season of The Simpsons or a couple of movies he wants to watch and I'd rent them or I'd buy them so he could watch them offline. We're a Netflix subscriber. I am never again going to have to do that. So if I ever have to make the decision of is Netflix worth my 9.99 or should I drop it for a month or two cuz I'm not watching anything, it's a no-brainer because we were spending money elsewhere that now just goes into the Netflix bundle and you know, I don't see why anyone wouldn't get Netflix now. Yep. So, uh, there I you know, in the beginning I didn't think that this was um you know that's significant or big of a game changer, but uh, something to keep in mind is that they are rolling this feature out worldwide, um, and the fact that I think Netflix is now approaching about 90 million subscribers uh, uh, worldwide, and the fact that a growing portion of that 90 million is international, and the fact that you have some markets where maybe the internet is costlier or it's not as reliable. This is gonna maybe convince some fence sitters essentially that hey, if I can find a good connection or cheaper connection, download it and watch it at my leisure offline, that makes it that much more compelling. And the reality is, the internet's not that reliable. I mean, if you remember last week, we were going to tape one of these shows, and I was remote in an office with a high-speed internet connection, wired, and we could not get Skype to connect in order to give us a good signal. Sure, fair enough. How many times have you been watching Netflix in your living room where randomly it stops and you have to restart? Let it buffer, yep. Yeah. So, like, even at home sometimes, like, we have a family home in the woods in New Hampshire and the internet connection is satellite internet. It's awful. I would much rather wait an hour to download a movie and then watch it that night then have to deal with the buffering and the stops and the audio not being right or whatever is going on. This is just a smart move. And I understand the reason they resisted it was pirating. I can now download you know, a series of uh, House of Cards and hand you my laptop and you could watch it. But guess what? I could give you my Netflix password too. Yeah. So, big takeaway, um, you know, maybe it helps uh, some of those fence sitters that I mentioned in uh, areas where the internet connection isn't as reliable. But all in all, I think it's just you know the stickiness of that Netflix product they're offering. Uh, and ultimately, I think if they're able to keep those subscribers loyal, uh, you know, we saw some churn when they increased their rates earlier this year. But you know, make it as compelling as possible with their content, but also with the usability of that content. Maybe in the future, if there's another price increase, you know, people are more willing to stomach that. This is a valuable give back. I mean, this is. You have to listen to your customers, and people clearly wanted this for all the reasons we've listed. Yep. So when they go to twelve ninety nine or eleven ninety nine, and in a year or two, you know, at least they can say, "Hey, we gave you what you'd asked for." Yep. So uh, a few details I do want to add in terms of anybody who's actually uh, who didn't know about this or wants to look into it is you need the newest version of the Netflix app to do so, and the library isn't uh, comprehensive, so it's growing. They'll be adding more content to it in terms of what you can download and view offline. It includes, I think, most of their original. It's uh, a question series. of rights. Mm-hmm. It, you're going to see this with, and when we talk about the uh, the OTT services. Some of these rights scenarios weren't ever considered when they made these deals. Yep. So as their movie deals come up, as their TV deals, they're going to start asking for the right to let people download it offline. It's not a technology issue. Yep. And one, I think, big example uh, of content that is currently not included in this feature is Disney content. And you know, they signed that really big, expensive deal uh, that gave them some of that exclusivity. So. And Disney might be a holdout because they're one of the last few places that actually still sells DVDs. 
So if you're Disney, you may not want Netflix to be allowed to have your content offline because it might cost you a 19.99. You know, it's the one thing as a parent you can justify because a little kid is going to watch Cars 300 times in a row, <laughs> and you're getting your money's worth. Yeah. So not everything is coming to this service, but as an adult, as a as a father, it's still a very valuable offering. All right. So uh, before we move on to our main story with Directv now, uh, I do want to take a second to thank Share Payroll for supporting this podcast. If you're a small business owner, you know payroll can be a real headache. Uh, small businesses across the country often end up paying hefty fines due to payroll-related oversights. And while the IRS levies billions of dollars of these fines every year, you can now protect your business and get rid of payroll tax complications with the help of Share Payroll. Share Payroll has been around for over 15 years, and it's the first company to offer an entirely online payroll solution that is simple and can be used on any device in just three easy steps. The company will also file and pay your local, state, and federal taxes automatically so you can focus on managing your business. Share Payroll is already serving a wide range of business types, including dentist offices, insurance agents, restaurants, tech startups, and many more. So, if you want to stop worrying about late fees and fines, just check out sharepayroll.com slash fool and fill out the free quote form. Again, that is sureparoll.com slash fool. So, uh, the one streaming service, uh, you know, out with one streaming service, <laughs> in comes another, right? Uh, DirecTV Now is currently available for a free, free trial. And um, why don't you just give me some basics, Dan? How much is it and what are customers getting? So, DirecTV Now is your latest alternative to cable. It's live streaming cable channels. And the promo offer is a $35 a month package, which in theory, AT&T is taking a bath on, though let's assume they've negotiated some good deals there for at least a short time. And you get about 100 cable channels. Including in some markets, you get local channels, but that's very limited. Like if you live in New York, you might get NBC, but you can only watch certain programs on demand. And but in general, you're getting the top cable companies: your TBSs, your TNTs, your. And it's very similar to Dish Sling in terms of, or Sony PlayStation View, where you don't have cable, you want to watch some live TV, you want some sports, and you're going to pay, and you're going to get a streaming-only cable service. Yep, I should add that even uh, so, there's four tiers to the service. Um, they have which are made a little bit irrelevant by the promo offer. Yeah, so right they, have, they have cute names. Uh, the first tier is thirty-five dollars a month. It's called Live a Little. The next one's fifty, just right. Uh, and then the promo ones go big, which is usually sixty dollars, but the current promotional rate is thirty-five dollars. And they we'll say they're going to honor that forever. Now, yes. forever for AT&T is not a trustworthy, <laughs> just like they're going to grandfather your unlimited plan forever and then slowly make it terrible for you. Yeah. So, But in the short term, it is probably the cheapest per channel deal. Uh, Dish Sling is at about 22 channels for $20, 23 20 it, it varies a little bit. And then you can stack on additional. And then you right? can add stuff. So it's probably $35 for 100 channels. And they're not... Twenty of those channels aren't stupid ones you don't want. Yeah, Most I'm, of them are good channels. I'm, the the full network list isn't uh, available, at least that I could find, but a pretty good sampling of them are here. And as you mentioned, it includes most of the big networks. And like you mentioned, if you can get it, uh, includes the big or three of the big. Four, no CBS. No CBS. Um, and then the biggest package is got to have it seventy dollars a month. And uh, I'm trying to think if there's any other. So there's that promotional offer that's thirty-five dollars. You know, and there's a promo where you can get range. HBO and one of the other pay services for five dollars. Yep. 
And uh, the, uh, I think some perks that come with the service, the fact that you can cancel it at any time. There's no annual contract, no fees that way. And there's no waiting for a cable guy to come install <laughs> it. No box. Um, you know, It will stream directly to your smart TV, your phone, your tablet, your PC, any devices you have, like Apple TV, the Amazon Fire TV stick. And um, there's also a bunch of on-demand titles too, right? And they'll give you those devices. So if you if you commit to three months, they'll give you an Apple TV. And I will point out that Apple TV is 149, and 35 times three. I can't do that math live in the air. No. But it's less than 149. It's, it's 105. <laughs> it's less than one. So if you were thinking about an Apple TV, getting this for three months just to play with it while you're traveling is worth it, just to try it. But the reality is, they have built a Me Too service. This is somewhere in between what Dish and Sony are doing. Sony has a pretty traditional cable offering uh, in terms of its pricing and its package, whereas Dish is going for more millennials, this is the best of the best, this is what you're going to watch. And AT&T is somewhere in the middle. It's a, you know, At that $70 price, it's not that cheap. At the $35 price, it's a good deal. And the problem is, consumers have not shown that they actually want these services. I know you have the numbers, but the the cable universe is about 94 million homes, even with the slow decline in cord cutting. And why don't you jump in with how many people are getting these? So services? I will add. You uh, mentioned uh, Sling and PlayStation View as you know the main. I think what people would see as the competitors to this service. And I do want to mention that you know as a first foray into this world from AT and T uh, and Directv, it it's pretty competitive. I think it's actually. For what this world is, it's a pretty strong showing. At the promo price, it's by far the best offer mm-hmm. because not only do you get uh, $35 per 100 channels, you also can stream two streams, whereas the Dish offer is only one. Sony's is multiple, but it's it's much more money. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think the bottom line, at least for customers, is that this is a, an attractive package, um, and. I think some people have been looking for that live TV competitor to your standard cable package. And for some people, it will very much be cheaper. If you can get in at that promotional rate, it becomes very compelling. After that rate expires, or once that uh, promotion ends, I think it loses some of its luster for sure. And um, in terms of the impact for the company, so if you're an AT&T investor and you're looking at this, like, is this a game changer for us? Uh, I think... You have to keep in mind just the scale of the business and what kind of impact this can have. Uh, I was really surprised. So, uh, even with PlayStation, uh, with Sony's PlayStation View, the service has been around for how long, Dan? Do you know? Just a few months. It's, so, it's not that long. Six it, months or so. Uh, and I think it has just recently, in the past few months or so, crossed a hundred thousand. Sling is coming up on two years, I would say. Yes, yeah, CES two years. Sling, ago. Sling, I believe, came out uh, early 2015, so coming up on two years. That is also now approaching about one million subscribers. So, if even best case scenario, let's say that uh, Directv now can pick up one million subscribers to match Sling in the first six months. In every single one of those people adopts it at the seventy dollar go big package or got or whatever it's and called. And none of them drop Directv's regular package to get it. Exactly. So you know you're looking at seventy million dollars incrementally, whereas in terms of the segments within AT and T, you know it's cable TV business. It's a twenty billion dollar business. So you know it's important to think about where this really falls into things and what you described as a me too offering it so, is ultimately rings true. So we've talked about this. I'm super negative on this product 
because and I like sling. I, I used sling for a long time when I traveled. I played with it, but the reality is they're going after you. They're going after younger potential cord cutters or or cord nevers, and saying, "Well, we're not going to get you for hundred and ten dollars a month for cable. Maybe we'll get you for twenty, for thirty, for forty, for whatever the number is." And the problem is, the person who doesn't have cable is watching something else. He has Netflix. He's watching YouTube. He's watching Twitch video games. It's not someone who desperately misses cable. I will say that, you know, right now my uh, internet package it gets paired with a pretty basic TV bundle, and this is the kind of thing that would make me rethink that if I can get in at thirty five thirty five bucks, get way more value out of that. It does become attractive. Uh, you know, AT and T specifically says there are twenty million people not subscribed to any sort of pay TV, pay TV service that they think this will appeal to. I think it's very optimistic. I was going to say that includes the Amish, that includes the elderly. <laughs> I mean, this is every cable company is doing this. Comcast is working on a service. There's everyone is going to have and maybe you will see the end of the cable box and this type of delivery will just become the norm so the 94 million will morph over into slightly less expensive packages with a little bit more choice but this idea that there's this huge untapped audience of people who they won't pay 70 for cable but they will pay 35 and the second they drop their cable subscription their internet bill is going to go up five, ten, fifteen bucks, mm-hmm. and then Comcast is going to put a data cap on them. And if they start watching a bunch of movies and downloading 4K video, then they're going to pay overage charges. So the reality is, these are products built for a theoretical future that nobody has proven is actually coming. All right, so that is our pessimist view. I'm going to put on my <laughs> optimist cap right now because I do think uh, there are a few things. That we can keep in mind in terms of how this becomes attractive. So, for example, you know, AT and T having this diversified suite of different businesses, including its wireless business. Uh, some people argue that this can be a, a loss leader because, hey, guess what? AT and T can make it, so, or they have made it so that anything you watch, if you're signed up for Directv now, does not count against your data cap for your wireless service. And AT and T's ability to bundle, absolutely, and because they're not going to invest more money in physical cable lines. You know, they own they own DirecTV, which is a satellite product, and the biggest decliner in the cable business has been their wired cable business. Mm-hmm. Because if you own DirecTV, which you can market nationwide, why would you spend money marketing locally for? So they can go to their phone customer and say, "Hey, here's a promo. Add uh, DirecTV now for twenty bucks for the next six months. I'll give you a thousand channels, whatever it mm-hmm. is." They'll have a little bit of success with that, but. You know, once again, and there's a ways to go on the product, and I think that's important to point out. I tested Dish, and I, I did a story for for Fool.com on cutting the cord, and I lived with Sling and with Sony. And to say it's an unpleasant experience when it's your prime means of watching TV is putting it mildly, because people when they watch cable flip around. Yeah, they don't sit down like they do with Netflix and binge watch. They mm-hmm. don't always watch whole programs. Even if you're watching your favorite football team in the commercial, you might flip to a home improvement show or, or whatever it is. Doing that on these services is painful. Okay. And it's a little better on, on Sling than it is on Sony. And from the demos I've seen of DirecTV now, there's a lot lacking. You also can only pause for five to ten seconds on most channels. Yes, that's something uh, to keep in mind. So, uh, DirecTV now, uh, 
at the moment, you know, at launch, it does not have a DVR uh, capability built in, but that's supposed to be coming next year, um, as is supports for some additional uh, And to be fair, the reality is nobody really does. Sony has some limited DVR capability better than others, but their price is higher. Mm -hmm. Sling uh, is just this week testing some DVR. Yes. But the reality is most of their deals with the cable companies preclude DVRs, pausing. There is some on-demand content, but generally it's the type of on-demand content you could get with a Hulu subscription. Yeah. So, um, okay, looks like we're kind of going back to our pessimist side again. <laughs> but uh, I do want to add. Uh, but hey, good job, ADT. <laughs> so I do want to add uh, some additional details on numbers that I was able to find. I think it's kind of interesting in terms of the profitability, what the contribution might be in terms of you know their margins. Is uh, like you mentioned that the uh, thirty-five dollar uh, promotional deal for the hundred channels is quite compelling. And the fact is, it's not coming cheap. So, uh, one analyst I have, they believe the gross margins for the various packages will range anywhere from 2% to 15%. And this is uh, for AT&T overall, their operating margin is about 17%. So, not even close. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I have SNL uh, Kagan, they estimate that that thirty-five monthly, thirty-five dollar monthly bill, even for the lowest level, lowest tier, which I think is where a lot of people will end up signing on for those core channels, sixty or whatever channels it may be, uh, that barely covers the cost of the programming uh, based on their estimates. Then you factor in things like the backend support, the customer service, the infrastructure, and you're potentially looking at what is very much a lost leader. I think there's one thing you can factor in there that I think we're about to see a bit of a come to Jesus. The cable, the, the cable companies have had all the leverage. ESPN has been able to say, you can't get rid of ESPN, we want 10% more. We want to go from 580 to 625 to 645 per subscriber. Now you are starting to see the cable companies say, wait a minute, we're going to offer a package without ESPN. We're going to offer, or someone could go to one of these services and maybe not get certain higher price channels. There are going to be reductions in some of those costs. You are not going to, as a low watch channel, you know, maybe VH1 Classic gets two cents per cable subscriber, and eighty thousand people are watching, and it's absolute best part of the day. <laughs> they are not going to be either. They're not going to exist because no one's going to pay them anything. Yeah. Or they are going to get lower fees. And even the big ticket companies, ESPN ratings are down. So you're going to see a trickle down across the board. ESPN is either going to stay the same or take cuts, and they're going to spend less money on programming. So you're going to see some of these college billion dollar deals get lessened and and start to go down. Uh, I will add um, that, big picture, there's two other things I want to wrap up with. Uh, The first is, even if uh, I think Directv now with the service they wanted to raise prices and kind of boost margins. Let's say it really does <laughs> it really does take off and they're able to build up five ten million subscribers. It starts to make a bigger impact on their financials. It's only going to get more competitive in this space. Hulu's coming out with a competing service. Amazon, you know, is going to come out with Apple's will, talking about one. Comcast is talking out. about one. Amazon will put that out at at or below cost too, just to take market share. And the problem with it is is when you're selling a service based on price, you lose a lot of pricing flexibility. Yep. So they are not going to be able to slowly raise this so it costs what cable does, unless cable goes away, which, as we talked about earlier, the physical cable box. But for that to happen, 
these services have to feel like the experience of watching that TV. Is, that is a possibility, though, in terms of, you know, really long, th- looking at three, five, ten years as, hey, we, they understand or they see this as becoming the future without the cable box, no more waiting for the cable guy, see, become, replacing their model, and this is their test. Some of this I blame on your generation, who was willing to watch television on an iPad when you have a 60-inch <laughs> flat screen sitting in front of you. I've never understood this. All right, so last, uh, the second thing I did want to discuss um, was with the coming uh, acquisition, still uncertain, uh, of Time Warner, which will give AT&T an incredible library of content. Think, you know, think about what uh, Time Warner runs, HBO, Warner Brothers, they have some great networks like AMC. So, uh, obviously, there is going to be some, uh, some rules, some regulations about making sure that there's somewhat fair competitive practices. But, uh, ultimately, Time Warner gives them that leverage to offer exclusive content to, meet, to DirecTV uh, Now subscribers, and that's Worked for companies like Netflix. And even forget the ability to say, like, hey, you're going to get HBO shows two days early, or some of the things that maybe will fall under regulation, though debatable given the incoming administration, um, you know, and sort of their stand on Tom Wheeler. Call that uncertain, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tom Wheeler has been the leader, you know, the FCC chair has been pushing a lot of this, and he is probably not in political favor going forward. Yeah. But forgetting that, the buying power of this combined company. So one of the first deals they announced was a Taylor Swift channel. Uh, now yes. I know you're a big Swifty. I am not so much. <laughs> I am. Uh, I, I am much more Gwen Stefani uh, camp. No, I'm teasing completely. But that said, Taylor Swift has a decided audience, and they could throw the money at her. So her back catalog of performances, videos, exclusive interviews, whatever the heck it is, Taylor cooking Thanksgiving sure. dinner. I have no idea can be a channel. And that itself may not be a draw, but you start to pile two or three of those things together, and they have the ability, just like you know, HBO has a, a deal with uh, Bill Simmons and with Jon Stewart, and some of those deals are very amorphous as to what the content is going to be. They could say, hey, look, uh, Bill Simmons' podcast is going to be on video on a channel, the way they do with the Dan Patrick show on, on Audience, which is the AT&T video channel. Mm-hmm. So their ability to just buy up the marketplace in terms of content, and even if, I'm sure they offer Audience to other cable companies and none of them take it, so eventually they might be able to tip the balance in favor of them, but it's still not going to make you buy an inferior, unpleasant service. Yep. All right, so it seems overall you are uh, not all that bullish on what this off, uh, provides them. No, I think in my camp, not for today. My view is it's an interesting step. I would watch it uh, rather tentatively, but ultimately, you know, this could be what the company sees as a step into what the future of distribution is going to look like. I think every cable and wireless player believes in this a lot more than I do, to, yep. to be positive. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. Thank you. Uh, so that wraps up our discussion uh, for today, but you can reach out to us and the rest of the Industry Focus crew via Twitter at MF Industry Focus, or you can send us any questions via email to industryfocus at fool.com. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in the program. Thanks for listening and full on.